Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. It is time to change our mindset on how to attract and hire the strongest people. The answer is not having the greatest recruiters or tools. It is not having strong employer branding or compensation plans. The answer is really simple. It's about gathering the evidence in the interview to support the decision without assumptions and bias. Leadership drives hiring, not recruiting or HR. So mic drop moment. There are two critical components to your people function, recruiting and hiring. Recruiting is run by, well, recruiters, and hiring is run by hiring managers, executives, and founders. To land the strongest people for your organization, both functions have to have structure, synergy, and adequate training to be successful. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Brian Breath. Brian is an alumni from Riot Games and the former VP of Talent Acquisition at FAIR. Brian is a talent acquisition leader and U.S. Marine Corps veteran with over 20,000 years experience forging, adapting, and applying best practices to complex business challenges in recruiting. He has a proven track record as an entrepreneurial leader whose ability to align teams, enact change, and build sustainable frameworks enables businesses to attract top talent and become more efficient, productive, and competitive. His specialties include global talent acquisition strategy and operations, leadership coaching and development, team building and communication, process development and implementation, and networking. Brian was responsible for scaling RubeCon project from 200 employees to almost 800 people in two years, which is what makes Brian the perfect expert for today's topic. Brian, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Great to be here, Rick. It's hard getting over here, you know, after 20,000 years, his <laughs> knees are just not working as good as they used to. You look good for 20,000 years old. Thank now. you. You know, when yeah. I was younger, I had a lot more hair too. Yeah. So did I. Yeah. So did I. And then got into recruiting and it's all downhill from there. <laughs> That's right. Or uphill from there. Downhill's easy, right? Right. Uphill's uphill. the hard It's all one. uphill. Right. I don't know why people say it's hard going downhill. No, no. It, it, that didn't come from us because we would have said it differently. Exactly, right? Yes. So anyway, today we discuss why quality is more important when you scale. And we're going to talk about how to scale without sacrificing quality. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a great plan. All right. Topic. Brian's got a good plan he's going to set for us. So yeah, I'm excited. Let's talk about scaling. Let's talk about quality. Let's talk about some of the challenges today, because I find that when you get into it, when you get to a point where you get that series A or series B and you need to scale all of a sudden, all of a sudden your whole hiring practice just gets thrown out the window and it's all about just putting as much in the funnel and hoping something comes out the back. Right. I think we should be clear. That's probably how the startup has been operating since the seed round. Once you get into that series A and B, and I remember when we were talking about this the other day, you've got a bona fide product or a service that you're now offering, and you're now stepping into the ring to be more competitive, to grow the business. And in order to do that, you have to start to think about like, okay, it's not just about getting people that I know in my network, because maybe I do know a lot of people as a founder or an executive at the startup, but that network only takes us so far. And I think that when we're looking at 
people that we know, it's like that hiring adage of we hire the people that are just like us. And so I think when you're in that very early stage, you're definitely doing that. I'm going to retract what I said earlier a little bit. I find that when you're in that early stage pre-seed, you're just finding anybody who will do the work for you. Now it's a step up to where, okay, now I got some referrals and I'm getting some traction. Again, you're not really putting any process in place. You're just essentially hoping that person's going to stick. Well, and everybody's got their hands in it too. All hands on deck. Let's just get the people that we need. And, you know, oh, you happen to know a front end engineer. Awesome. Let's talk to them is really what it looks like. But then when you get into those rounds, Quality comes into the conversation when you're thinking about growing the company, being more competitive, building better things, or building better services. You can't not think about that. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this mindset, because I know that you're under the gun for time, but I feel like if we actually just put some practices in place or some structure in place and change the mindset a little bit, at least it'll put you in a position where you're not going to make these bad hires. Right. And we all have made them. Every one of us has made them. You're saying to yourself that you haven't, you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have. Myself included. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we talked about this, I remember being on a panel a few years ago. It was in Santa Monica and it was an event where there were startup founders on the panel. It was at Tongle's offices. And they were talking about, the question was from the moderator, what is the thing that's most important to you as a CEO and founder when you're building your organization? And they all said culture. We want to hire people that align with the culture and are the best people, obviously, but people that align with the culture. And the biggest challenge that they all said that they had in doing that is that always butts up against the wishes of the investors, which is just like, how fast can you grow the company to 250 people? If I give you 15 million, can you do it in 12 months? Well, what if I give you 25 million? Can you do it in 12 months? And so that's the constant struggle that they have, right? And so speed with that much at stake for the investors, speed generally overtakes the quality to the point where you may lose sight of either hiring for that cultural alignment or hiring for those other qualities that may make the difference in what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, that is so true. As a founder, you've got to hold firm on the fact that like, look at we need people who can 100% align with our values to make sure that we're growing the right way, right? Because there's nothing more disruptive to the business than having the wrong people in the wrong seats. I think it's probably investors that you're dealing with. And we could sit here and take time to just cite examples. I mean, the biggest one is, you know, look at WeWork and... SoftBank being their lead investor and their adage is, you know, growth at all costs, but then look what happened. But there are other investors out there, and we've talked about this, where they understand and are sensitive to the cultural aspect of hiring. But look at Amazon. So Amazon, though, grew, they stick to their core principles from day one, and they've been able to grow to arguably the largest company in the United States, biggest employer. And so they still evaluate everybody based on their core principles, on their core values. There's a case to be made and maybe some pushback that you need to give to your investors in that, hey, look, we want to grow right as opposed to just growing at all costs. Yeah. And I hope that for those founders who may be listening, I think that that's what you have to think about. I think you have to think about if that culture or values alignment is important to you and it should be and you have that and you have a clear synthesis of what that is, that's probably one of the things that you want to look for in an investor who's sensitive to that. Yeah, definitely. So why is this important to a company? When they hit that next stage of growth, you know, it is part of a startup's evolution. And I know at Rubicon Project, I came in 
about 14 months before we went public. And so it was certainly a rocket ship then. When you sort of start off on that path, it is an inflection point where it's like, all right, this is a different game now. And we're putting a lot more things in place. We have to think about, you know, when we are public, we're accountable for all this SEC stuff and an internal audit and a lot of the things that may not be in place at that time, but also thinking beyond that even and what happens after we're public and are we going to acquire, are we going to go continue to grow organically? You have to think about how is the culture going to live on as the company grows through that. Even through your different rounds of funding, some startups may get through series D or E before they have that event where they're either acquired or they go public. It just goes back to if you desire to be competitive, then you have to commit to hiring the best people that you can find. That's 100% spot on. Are you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? For our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional resources and content and a link to order the book Healing Career Wounds, which is available now on Amazon. Let it be your startup secret weapon to winning the strongest hires. Our guest today is Brian Breath. He is a former Riot Games alumni and the former VP of Talent Acquisition for FAIR. So we're discussing hiring at scale. So we talked a little bit about why it's important. Now let's get into how we do it. So lay out for me if you could... I think you've got like two points you want to keep on and then... Yeah. And I think it's really like the acquisition of talent and then retaining that talent. And when you're talking about acquisition, it really needs to start from the top in that C-suite or in that senior executive suite that hiring is an investment in recruiting and hiring is one of the most, if not the most important thing that the company does. What do you think about the idea that the CEO or the leaders should be the best at hiring? I think they like to think that they're the best at hiring, and generally they aren't. I think that it's more of having a commitment to building a culture of recruiting and hiring. Like That should be part of the cultural DNA of the organization. And it starts with them. It starts with them. So it starts with them, but ultimately they're the first recruiters within the organization, recruiters, and you know they set the hiring practice. That's right. But they should drive that interview and hiring practice more so than anybody else in the organization. And as soon as they can get rid of it, they usually offset it to somebody else. Right. That's a key point right there. When they sort of offset it to somebody else is where things can kind of go sideways. Yeah. Oh, but you're I, being nice. Well, look, it does go sideways. It does. Yeah. But look, if you want to do it right, you've got to, I would say, bring in a subject matter expert like yourself or someone who- Or yourself. uh, Or or myself, you know, but but the point is like subject matter expert who can consult on this because again, like I said earlier, they like to think that they know everything about hiring. And I think that Someone who does needs to consult and help them understand, here's for the size that the business is at, here are some things that you're going to want to think about, right? You can't say, all right, we've done all this hiring now, hand off, and this is something that you can kind of set and forget. You've got to keep the investment. You've got to keep the commitment alive and well constantly. So the thing that I've seen is that recruiting is sort of something that happens outside of the executive suite, and it's not thought about until it's not happening fast enough. That's always an interesting conversation because really there's this need for top of funnel. We need to see a lot of people. And really, if you only have one role open, you only need to see one person. 
really. Like, and so the recruiting function should be filtering people and getting the right people in front of the hiring managers. It should be set up like a system of checks and balances. Then as they get them, as people funnel in and they're positioned right for the organization, then you should have a function where it should be a very streamlined and impressive interview process. And that does not happen with a lot of companies. It's just kind of like a, hey, come on in and we'll hope we can find people who can talk to you. And we're going to have 17 people that are going to ask you the same question over and over again. And it's going to be completely unimpressive, especially at A players. I've seen more A players duck out of companies. Or they may even ask questions that aren't necessarily relevant to the role, although they may think they're relevant. Yeah. Or relevant to the culture. We like people who have grit. So you find some questions that are in and around grit. But is grit really one of your core values of your company? If it is, then that makes sense. But if it's not... Yeah, that's an important point. And it's not having that structure and kind of saying, okay, for all the values or cultural-related stuff, like this is what everybody is going to ask. And then per functional role, we can kind of customize it a little bit. But I think we should back up from that and really go back to the executive suite. There needs to be an understanding and alignment on, okay, here's where we're going to compete. Here's who our competitors are. Here's how we're going to compete. Here's who we want to compete with. For talent, this is how we're willing to compete, whether it's what you pay, benefits that you offer. More importantly than that, and this is kind of getting into what we talked about before I came on the show, is the value proposition. Value proposition, employee value proposition, I think most people out there tend to think of it as this list of things like it's benefits and perks, and that's our value prop. We have a football right? table. We, you know, and, <laughs> and, and a great kitchen, and yeah. you know, we offer six months of parental leave, and that's your value prop. I don't look at the value prop that way. I look at it like, well, like you do. Those are nice I, to you have. Know, it's, it's, those are nice to have, but really the must-haves are – what do you get to work on that will, what do I get to work on that will level me up? So yeah, what's in it for me? It, yeah, what is, what's in it for me? Like, and if you sort of switch shoes and put my employer shoes on now, it's here candidate, here's how working here is really going to transform your career based on what you've told me is important to you. And that, that's, that's, that's the, the key, key piece. piece. Yes. Yeah. You're spot on. Yes. Based on what, what you shared with me, that's where I feel like you're going to get what you want out of your career. This is where you're going to move up. Nobody wants to do the same thing, especially people who are talented. Nobody wants to do what they've been doing in their current job. And a lot of reasons why people have career wounds and they decide that they want to move on is because they're stuck or they're not able to grow. And if they're working on the same thing and they're not able to grow, and it might be just wonderful, but they might love the place. But again, if they're not seeing the mobility or whatever it is that's important to that person, and you're not able to connect the dots for them, how you can solve that problem, now it's just a transaction. Right. You and I have talked about that. Like Generally, in most companies, recruiting and hiring is very transactional. And there's not enough conversation had with the candidate about like, let's start off by talking about what's important to you. Why are you thinking of leaving or where do you want to take yourself? And you know, if you could learn a new thing, what would that be? And then starting to frame the process around how the company speaks to what's important to them. That is so, that's so key. I'm glad you mentioned that because I find in my own recruiting practice, whenever I'm running searches, people will tell you everything that you need to close them. If you fit, if your company fits what they want, then great, help them through the process. But if they don't, 
then why even waste anybody's time? There's pressure, right? And, yeah. You know, it's like the recruiters are probably having 15 minute initial conversations with this person before they put them in the funnel. And that's part of it. But I also want to add, we can probably move on to talk about retention. And that's, there's also the investment in the people function because human capital is, in my opinion, the most important investment the company can make. The acquisition and retention of the investment in that will go a long way certainly towards the acquisition and retention, but also just towards creating that value prop that you and I talked about. When you're investing in that way, and I'm going to go back to like, again, the value prop is you have to really understand what that is. And it's taking time to kind of dig into that. And then also having had that conversation and alignment at the executive level about here's how we're going to operate in acquiring the people that we need. I mean, what kind of people do we want to get here? And it's having those conversations and getting clear on it um, and giving a people the future to live into. Because you talk about it, getting someone on board, but then they have to have the experience of then living it once they get there. Yeah. People know right away within the first 90 days whether what you were talking to them about during the recruiting process was BS or not. Yes, very true. Right. And they'll bounce within 90 days. Yeah. Quickly. They may stay there for a year, but during that first year, they're just kind of looking and waiting until that right thing, that next right thing comes along. I've gotten that call a couple of times where somebody took a job and then they called me back 30, 60 days into their employment at their new company. Mm -hmm. and so is that opportunity still available? It happens a lot. It's my belief that when someone resigns, regardless of what their reasons are, it all boils down to the fact that they no longer see a future for themselves. See, I believe retention starts at the interview process. Mm -hmm. Because if you're actually bringing people in who are properly aligned and they understand the good, bad, and the ugly of the company and there's a path for them, then that's what retains people. And you stick to what you say. That's it. It's not, and it's not once they've been onboarded and tricked into the role. <laughs> Well, right. And it's just like, okay, here's your onboarding. IT comes along, gives you your laptop and shows you where your desk is. And then you're off and running at work. Yeah. That could be a whole other podcast that we talk about, right? Totally. But, you know, for what we're talking about here, I guess what I would want people to be left with is think about the things that we're talking about in so far as it's not the foosball table and the beer in the fridge that's going to keep somebody long term. It's nice stuff that, frankly, like being paid well, it's not going to keep people engaged. They need to feel like they're growing, that they're challenged, that the work that they're doing is having an impact. Yeah. And it won't even make them show up for the interview. All right. Shoot. We're getting pretty close on time, Brian. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience we can plug into their businesses today? Yeah. I guess, founders, I would just say, for those of you who are listening, look at what you're investing in the people function, because I think that you get out of it what you're putting into it, I think is the reality of it. And especially your talent acquisition team, you can't do more with less. With TA, you can't do more with less. I would say that's the first takeaway. And how about training the managers too? Well, yeah. It's not just having a skilled recruiting team, but hiring managers have to know how to hire. And I think that as a part of their performance management, they have to be held accountable for being good at hiring. And if they're not, then there needs to be that conversation. And I think that's part of the problem with most companies in general, not just startups, is that all of the burden on being skilled and masterful is on recruiting and talent acquisition. And there's not enough focus on here, let's make sure that there's enough time given to hiring managers to train them up, but also hold them accountable for hiring for their teams. Yeah. I feel like if hiring managers just have a simple structure and have some training as to 
not what they can't say, but what they should be saying to extract the right data out, then you have a situation where you can crush it and attract all the people that you need right now. Especially I'm getting calls from CEOs right now saying, I got people not showing up to my interviews. I'm like, well, you know what? That probably has to do with the 15 minute phone call that you use to set up the call. If you don't invest time in, they're not going to invest time to show up. Exactly. They need to know that you're serious and you being serious means that you've done the legwork and the homework to really come prepared to the interview. We're out of time already. Right? Shoot, well, I you know, know Brian. I, you know, when you're over twenty thousand years old, I, I'm probably going to need to take a nap after this. Actually, it's I think minutes. we both are because I'm good, a, I'm, I'm good for thirty to, minutes and then I got to go to. I'm fifteen thousand years old, right? <laughs> Brian, thanks so much for your time investment today, and I want to welcome you again to the Higher Power Radio community. The second time you've been on the show, always a pleasure. Thank you for having awesome me. It's been awesome because yeah. I still get downloads for your episode from like 2018, and oh, people wow. asking about it. So well, I tell great. you, it's great. This digital stuff is great. You know, there was no way for them to, to sort of have these conversations back in the Stone Age. Like, I'm not even going to tell you guys what we did back then. <laughs> That's when you uh, <laughs> jumped off your brontosaurus and broke your wooden britches. Right. <laughs> Thanks uh, for having me, Rick. It was great being here. It's great to have you, Fred Flintstone. I mean, You're Brian. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what would be the best way in which members of the audience can reach you, find out a little bit more about you and connect? I would say LinkedIn. I'm very much on there all the time. Just look me up. Happy to connect and talk about this stuff. You know, I can talk way beyond the 30 minutes that we have here because I'm pretty nerdy about it. I know. That's why we spend hours on the phone sometimes. Yeah. Well, hey, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We are listening. We welcome your feedback. And after all, we just want to make this show perfect for you. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Hire, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Brian Rowland. He is the founder and chairman of Embedity. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.